Welcome to Jewish Midlife. I'm Javara Kresniansky, your host for navigating this exciting stage of midlife. I just had the most fascinating conversation about the transformative power of writing to discover our voice, especially in the midst of midlife changes. I had the pleasure of chatting with Lynn Galadner, a seasoned author, publisher, and writing coach who shared incredible insights. As we navigate the twists and turns of midlife, we're often left pondering, what's next? Or why am I feeling this way? And Lynn dives into the ways that writing can serve as a powerful tool to connect with ourselves during these midlife transitions. She shares some practical tips and mindsets that can truly make a difference. If you're on a journey of self-discovery or looking for a way to navigate the what's next in midlife, this episode is a must listen. Lynn, I'm really excited to be talking to you about writing and books and like that whole thing about finding your voice. I find that concept fascinating. So before we even get into the conversation, can you talk a little bit about what you do and how you got into writing the whole thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Demora. So I'm Lynn Galadner. I live in Detroit and I am a Jewish author who focuses on creating stories and books with compelling Jewish characters who fill their lives with uh, passion, purpose, and love. And I, I do a lot of things. I was a journalist for 15 years. I started a marketing company in 2007, which I still run, although mostly I work with authors, helping them with their author brand and marketing strategies. Um, All along the way, I have been an author. So I did my MFA in writing at Goddard College, and I have nine books that have been published. So that's two poetry collections. Um, One was my master's thesis that came out in time for graduation, which is cool. The second one is a small chapbook of poems based on the Amidah. There are six nonfiction books, um, including The Flavors of Faith, Holy Breads, which is how every faith has a bread, and that's one thing we have in common, and also a book called Hide and Seek, Jewish Women in Hair Covering. And my first novel came out in September. It's called Woman of Valor. And so I do lots of things. I'm a mama for, I'm... I do lots of things. So here we are. <laughs> so I see a lot of it is, almost all of it is expressing yourself. Really what I've, I've had some pivots in my career, but all of it has been about storytelling. So even the marketing that I do, is like using a story and higher purpose to build relationships with, you know, whatever you're trying to, um, to get across. Um, but really what I do now is motivated by my own midlife pivots, which were you know, I've always been a writer, but that was never front and center. And I said, well, what am I waiting for? And so as I turned my life toward my writing, I said, well, why don't I help other people do that too? And there's so many women, especially women, although there's some men in there too, who um, say, I always wanted to write, but, you know, either it was like a nice hobby or I can't make a living at it or da, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And so there's a huge confidence piece. And that's a lot of what I do in my writing, coaching and teaching is, um, First, the belief that your voice matters, and then the courage to use it and work on writing. So, so I think that's really the theme. Let's unpack that. Yeah. So, finding your voice or your voice matters through writing, and then we can yeah. talk about also your book, and we can talk about if people want to become an author, what is a little bit what the process would be. So, let's kind of unpack finding your voice through writing. So it's really interesting because I remember when I was in grad school for writing, um, I was in my 20s. I didn't really have, you know, my voice at that point. I didn't know much about who I was. And I um, I remember reading lots of writers who had similar stories. So writers from Michigan, Jewish writers, um, other, you know, types of you know, feminist writers or whatever it was, and just learning how did they put their values into the words. 
And what I found happening, um, which was alarming at the time, was that I started mimicking their writing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I, am I plagiarizing? That's horrible. How could I do that? And one of my professors told me, you know, that's actually a necessary step. You know, reading and writing go hand in hand. And so you need to be reading tons of different books that are out there so you can see how other people do it. And my professor said, you have to, you do that. You just do it automatically to try to figure out how other people do it. And then one day you break through that mimicking and you're, you're in your voice. And I like, I didn't really believe him. And then one day it happened. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is how I do things. There's certain turns of phrases or ways that I do sentences or whatever that are truly mine. And, um, and it happened. And so that's very cool. And of course it's evolved and strengthened over time. But I do think finding your voice is about coming to terms with who you are. And some people don't actually know that. And so it's like, what matters to you? What do you believe? What are your values? How does that infuse your identity? And then how does that show up on the page? And so um, one great way to do that is by reading a lot and deciding you know, what resonates with you and what doesn't and why. So if there's something that somebody wrote and you're like, that just doesn't really connect with me, well, why doesn't it connect with you? That helps to clarify you. And the more you do that, the closer you come to understanding your voice and what you bring to the page. So like there are no new stories. There's only new ways of approaching them. And we bring our values, our experiences, our beliefs, and then that goes into the story. So it comes out different. And I think that's the first step is just figuring out who you are and who you want to be. I love that question of this doesn't resonate with me, but more so why, why doesn't that resonate or what about it doesn't resonate with me? as using that as a tool to find out who is the me. Yes. It's not yes. just, I don't like that. You know, I'm not going to read that author, but like, what about that as a tool? I, I think that's so powerful. So, and I'll tell you also, like, you can't see, but I have like stacks of books throughout my house that are like to be read. And um, so when I finish one, I like pick up the next one. And, and I feel like life is too short to continue with a book that doesn't grab you. So I try to give it a good chance, especially because I respect other writers so much. And so I'll read a chapter or two, and if it's not grabbing me, I will put it down. I'll give it away or donate it to the library. But I do first ask the question, why? Because that helps me as a writer to understand what were they doing that isn't grabbing me so that I know more what I want to do to grab my reader. And the truth is that, you know, not every voice is going to be something that's interesting to you. So another part of finding your voice is knowing who you're writing for. And so like I focus a lot on Jewish communities when I'm doing speaking engagements or book talks. Um, other places invite me, universities invite me, book clubs, different things like that. But I feel like the resonance is in the Jewish community. And so, and that's such a huge part of my author brand that I know I'm writing for women at midlife and older in the Jewish world because that's who really loves my writing. And other people will read it too. Lots of non-Jewish people have read it. You know, lots of, lots of men have read my books. Um, but that's not my first pri priority. You know, my priority is who I'm writing for, which helps my voice to deepen because I know it's going to resonate with them too. That makes sense. But we're, so when you talk about knowing your audience, we're talking about like authoring a book. Yes. Yep. Right. And for some people, just the writing, find their voice for themselves is, is an important step. Eventually, maybe becoming an author and actually getting it out to the public. I think they're two separate things, right? For sure. I think you're absolutely right. I think that everybody needs to find their voice, period. And then if you have aspirations of putting a book in the world, it's important to know who you're writing for. 
But I do think, um, and you know, sometimes thoughts of an audience can actually freeze your voice. So lots of writers in my classes will say, I don't know if I want to be published. And that's totally fine. You could just be writing for you or for your family or, you know, just to sort of record experiences so future generations have them. That can be enough. But I do think finding your voice is the first step. And then it's who, who are you going to engage with as an audience? Yeah. So can we unpack a little bit more about finding your voice? So one way is like reading a lot so you can see what, what resonates with you and what doesn't. Yep. Is there something that through the actual writing that helps? So I think that it's great to try on different styles. So you will unconsciously try to emulate some of what you're seeing on the page. Like, how did they do that? You know, and um, there's a phrase from a book by Cormac McCarthy from like 20 years ago. And it's describing um, the way water in a river was going around rocks. It was water braiding around rocks or something like that. And that notion of braiding was so beautiful. It really grabbed me. And I found myself like wanting to use it, but wondering if that was, you know, copying or whatever. But it was like, so that really inspired me to think about the verbs I choose, you know. But I do think it helps to be in a writing community in some way. So whether it's, um, there's lots of free options out there to just, join on Zoom and write in community at the same time as other people so you hold each other accountable. But taking classes too, I think is a really important step because then you start to um, pick apart the different elements of writing style one step at a time. So like I teach a lot of classes. One of them is um, demystifying show, don't tell. So lots of writers, their you know, feedback is show, don't tell. And it's like, great, but how do I do that? And so we talk about the ways you can show in your writing. And one of the lessons is about action or verbs that alone is can be transformative and so i think sometimes taking a class here or there can also help to complement just what you're picking up on your own when you're reading so we're talking more about writing as opposed to journaling which is an entirely different thing i mean they're both words so they're not totally totally different yeah. but it's a, it's a different skill and it's, it's accomplishing something different well so it's interesting i have some friends that are um, big journalers and speak a lot about it and I occasionally do, and I often take notebooks with me wherever I go, especially when I'm out in nature. But the thing about journaling that I, there's there's two approaches to journaling. One is just to sort of record your thoughts or things that happen in your life, just that's that alone. But another reason to journal is to notice. And I think part of finding your voice is enhancing your powers of observation. So I like to write a lot about nature. And so I also don't like to disturb my experience in nature. So it's kind of a conundrum because if I'm going on a hike, I don't want to like be recording everything. You know, I want to just be there, but I also want to capture some thoughts or details so I can use them in the future. So a lot of times you'll see me on a trail, just stopping, opening the notebook, jotting some things and then continuing on. And I think you can do that with journaling anywhere you go. And it's just noticing because then, you know, one day you might use that for writing and it just helps you to have clarity and detail, which is really important too. I know the power of journaling, I think is the, is the noticing, noticing around, but also noticing what's in myself. So even if we never use it yeah. for writing a book that goes to the public or even a book that goes to your family, there's sure. a power in journaling, but it's, uh, I think what we're talking about of finding your voice and the writing and, and so much of what you do, what yeah. I understand is the authorship and actually moving someone from never having written a book or even thinking they can't write a book or what do I have? What, what story do I have in me? To actually pulling out the book all the way to Amazon or wherever you're publishing it. 
For sure. So what's interesting is that like all the writers I work with, most of them aren't, aren't planning to write a book. A lot of them are writing essays or poems or something. Um, and, and they all can be published too, if you wanted to, like in journals or magazines or whatever. I write a lot of creative nonfiction essays as well. And I write to make sense of the world around me. What do I believe? What's happening? You know, like writing really just gives me some clarity and understanding about how I feel. And then I decide if I want that piece to go out in the world, you know? Um, and I think that that is really important just to sort of, to use writing just to clarify your own thoughts, just for yourself. Um, but I also think that finding your voice is, is figuring out not only what you think and believe, but building confidence that your voice matters. So a lot of reasons why some people decide they don't want to publish at first is because they don't believe that their voice is important enough or they don't believe anybody's going to be interested in what they have to say. And what I say to all of my students is if one person is changed or feels less alone because of something you wrote, then wasn't that worth it? And the truth is that more than one person will be, you know, but by you sharing your experience, other people will say, oh my gosh, I went through that too. And now I know I'm not alone and there's nothing wrong with me for whatever I was feeling. So thank you for putting that out there. So it can be a real power to share your own experiences in writing so that you help other people. But like that confidence piece is part of finding your voice, just believing your voice matters. So what I'm also hearing then is that the writing of it helps you clarify your own thoughts and what matters to you and who you are and all of that. Yes. If you do share it with somebody else, that's wonderful and that can actually be helpful to them. And all of that, through so the whole process, first of finding your voice and finding your confidence in your voice, that my voice is actually interesting and has value in itself, but also may have value for somebody else, yes. builds the confidence. And I think that's such an important piece of all of that yes. is that it's not just writing and it will never get out there. It's the process of the writing from what I'm, from my experience and from what I'm hearing from my your students and they do much more writing than I do is finding what's important to you, finding yourself. Yes. The style of the style of it is a whole separate piece. It's just like getting it out there out of your head, holding up all those thoughts and like seeing it on in words and seeing it to me that I find that so liberating, fascinating. And like, huh, I didn't even know I was thinking that. Yeah, and that's exactly. that's what I love. My writing is very not flowery. It's very technical. Okay, like I just write like I write a lot of tips and points, and mm -hmm. and like I think that my thoughts out all the way, and the examples that I give through it. So I find it so like, hey, I didn't even know that I was thinking that. <laughs> yes, and yeah. Maybe a whole other layer would be to actually add some more story to it, which I would love to explore that further like the story of it but I'm, I'm very in my brain and so it would be interesting to yeah. see if I was like kind of encouraged or inspired to write more story I wonder what that process would be like for me what is the experience for other people so you know sometimes it's um from an experience they had like there's a woman that I've been working with who lost her husband um young and so she's writing a memoir about their life together and yet she's been in different classes of mine where I offer writing prompts. And some of those prompts help her to write about something with her husband that she never thought to write. It like sparked something different. So sometimes the writing, the process of it is just, it's just creating a rhythm and a routine in writing. So, you know, I really, um, for years, especially when I was in grad school, I really rebelled against the idea that you have to have a writing routine. I'm like, no, I'll just write whenever, whenever the, 
creativity sparks me or whatever, which means I didn't write very often. And I, in my old age, I realized that I think you do need a routine. And so I actually started that for myself several years ago when I decided to make writing my priority. And I just started by doing like an hour in the morning before I did other work. And then it was two hours. And now it's like three to four hours a day, five days a week. That's my priority because the more I, I commit to it, the more I'm actually going to write. Um, and sometimes I have like a whole folder on my computer of writing prompts in case I get stuck. Uh, I never really do. There's always so much to talk about, but um, but I think that you have to make it a practice. It can doesn't have to be four hours. It could be 15 minutes. Like, I'm just going to sit down, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever read Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, which is amazing because it talks about doing morning pages every morning just to sort of get the gunk out before you do anything else. And a lot of people swear by it. And that's like, you know, three pages. It's like really quick, but it's like, it, it frees your mind to get rid of anything you're ruminating about or worried about so that you can be creative. So that's even a little something that can go a long way. So I think the process needs to be a commitment to keep coming back to the page, however you can get yourself to do it, even for short spurts of time. So I want to talk about routines, but I'm really intrigued by the journal prompts. I'm thinking that for someone who's not a writer or not used to writing, whether it's journaling or writing, these prompts. So what would be some examples of these prompts? So I, um, I get prompts from other people, but I also write my own so that I can give them to my students. So um, I'm trying to think if I have anything handy. It could be like, um, I, I wrote one recently about um, a cup of dirt and an egg. That was it. And it was like, take it and see what it inspires. And there was a person in one of my writing and community programs who was like, I'm so intrigued by this. And he ended up writing a poem that had something to do with a cup of dirt and an egg. It was just like random. But it could also be something like um, the thing I forgot to tell you, dot, dot, dot. And so who knows where you're going to take that, you know, but you just put that at the top of the page and it might inspire something or it might, those words might be in your writing. So the prompts can really be very detailed or they can be like outlandish and you just see where it takes you. And it's just sort of um, unscripted and can be really creative. So instead of just being totally, totally unscripted is kind of at least orienting somebody to something or triggering something instead of just like you know like the blank screen or writer's yeah. block what some people have it's it may not take you to any, something too profound but sometimes it can be very profound exactly so you know for example in one of my classes um, one of the writing prompts that i gave was to take a big emotion like love or anger or sadness and show it like how would you describe it so it could just be a sentence or two but how would you take that big concept and make it you know vivid so that people know that it's love or sadness or whatever but you're not saying it and that mm -hmm. was a show don't tell thing but it's like oh how would that play out and it was really interesting because every single person in the class came up with a different approach but they all showed that emotion so um it can be that easy that quick so that's create that i think that takes some creativity now people who are say that they're not creative because i think we all really all are creative yeah some people are obviously creative and some people think that they're not at all creative, which I find that is not, not never really true. Right. But they, I mean, we're as creative as we allow ourselves to think. For we sure. say we're not, we're not. So how, how can you invite somebody or how have you done in classes or how can we just in general invite someone to start writing or start feeling more creative? 
Well, I think it does begin with reading and I think it does begin in community. And so it's really important to connect with other people because writing can be a very isolating practice. And there's a lot of self-doubt and imposter syndrome that comes into it. And so it's really important to have people who you can connect to and say, you know, I'm not feeling like writing today. And your friend can say, oh, you've got this. Let's write together. Let's just hop on Zoom and we can both be writing, you know, turn our cameras off, but we're both there together. So I think that connection with other people is really important. But I also think, like we said earlier, reading a lot is going to inspire creativity because, you know, you're, you're getting lost in a whole other world and a story. And, and it's, it just, I don't know about you, but it's like going on vacation. When I read a, a great novel, it's like, I just went to a whole other world. That's so cool. And then it makes me want to do something creative too. So I think surrounding yourself with creativity is a, is a great way to inspire it. So creativity or words specifically, like going to a museum is creativity? Creativity, absolutely. So I lead writers retreats. One of them is on Mackinac Island and um, the, between oh, wow. the Michigan Peninsula. It's really, really fun. And uh, it's every September. And there's a little art museum on Mackinac Island. And we went there to do um, writing inspired by the different paintings. And it was just fun. It was like, you know, and it's a small little museum, but we were just sort of wandering around the galleries and just taking notes and like seeing what came from it. And again, everybody did something different, but it was inspiring. So I think it could be art. It could be music. It could be food, you know, like there's so much writing about food that it's really profound. Um, nature, like I said earlier, like going for a hike, I, I have some of my best writing comes from nature. So I think it's... Um, Engaging with the world in a real sensory way is super important to motivate that creativity. I think that creativity is so important, especially in midlife. So many of us have been like living our life in the same way. Like, and we get here, whatever age it happens for you, it's like, how did I get here? And I think that the next part of our life may need some creativity for us to figure out what it is. And I think for me, the first thing that I saw what you were doing about writing, I was like, that could actually help us figure out who we are and what comes next just through what's what's in our what comes out of our fingers i love that idea of like the different prompts just to see and uh, just to see who we are or who we have become and who we are becoming rather yeah. than always writing about something else but like actually seeing what is coming out of our fingers and what does that mean about us and then i love that idea of finding your voice through your writing especially yeah. at this age or really any age yeah I totally agree. But I do think that looking back at my own life, like when I was younger, I was so preoccupied with like having babies and raising children and um, working, establishing my career, doing whatever, that when I hit 40 and my kids were still on the younger side at that point, but, and I'm 52 now, but they, you know, I, I, I was like 40, wow, you know, this, this could be the middle of my life. Am I doing something that's making a difference? Is my life is my life making an impact on the world around me? Like, am I a force for good? And it really made me start thinking about it. My husband will roll his eyes at that because he's like, not everything has a purpose. Like sometimes we just do what we do. But I believe that we all have some kind of, you know, God-given purpose that is motivating us and, and we need to focus on that. And so I think for me, as I hit 50 and my kids were, were more grown and now they're all young adults, I just, I was like, okay, so... So why am I here? What can I do that's going to make the world better? And and using my skills and my talents and you know where I am, my community and everything. And I do think that midlife is a unique time when we can be even more creative because many of us, you know, our children are grown or they need less from us on the day to day. 
than they had. And so we have some time to actually devote to our own natural talents, which is really beautiful. So you wrote fiction books and nonfiction books. Do they pull out different sides of you as you write them? Different things so, about yourself? Um, yes and no. So I think I've always written inspired from my life, but poetry and nonfiction, I found a lot easier than fiction. And I think I needed to mature in my writing to write a good novel. Um, when you read it, you'll let me know if you think it's good, but um, I think it is. So like poetry, you know, a poem is a contained thing. So it's not, it doesn't take months and months and months. I mean, I might revise it a lot, but it's, it's like small and nonfiction. You know, I was a journalist for a long time. So doing research and interviewing people and reporting, I have all the material, the raw material before me. So it's pretty easy to then for me, put chapters together and write a book because I have all the, the material. But fiction is something that comes from your own imagination. And it might be inspired by your life. And there are pieces of Woman of Valor that, that were inspired by my life, but it is totally fiction. And so there's this notion in the writing world, um, especially with novels, but books in general, that you are either a pantser or a plotter. You write by the seat of your pants or you plot it out. And I would say that for my first novel, Woman of Valor, which is actually the second novel I wrote, the first one has never been published, um, I pantsed it. And so that was really hard because I would lose track of like, well, what happened six chapters ago or this person's name or like the details or whatever. So I ended up with like a document open on the computer to keep track of it all. So I trained myself since then to be a plotter. So my next book is done and it's with final readers right now. And I spent a whole month just planning it out so that it was a deliberate you know, story and I could write it more fluidly. And I did. Um, so I think that I've learned, I've, I've grown as a writer over the years. And I think I, I can do fiction now because of everything I did earlier. Um, but I really needed to just mature in my patience and my perseverance in order, I think, to write a good fiction book. So not only did you figure yourself out a little bit, you actually gained in your patience, as you said. So I think it's like a character building, it sounds like. A hundred percent. And patience and persistence and determination. And then I think on the publishing side, it probably has a whole different set of growth and like things to know and things to do. Because if you've never published before, like I've never, I mean, I've self-published, but I've never gone through the full publishing of it. I imagine that there's so many steps and so much coming out of myself to sure. do that. Yeah. So it's interesting because my first eight books were published by small presses, you know, different independent publishers that um, I pitched the book and then they accepted it and they produced it. And I always did it as like on the side, like I was doing other things and I just happened to write a book. And uh, mostly it was like, especially the nonfiction books, like I was curious about something or there, there wasn't a book about it out there. And so I just went about it and I did it. And um, so that was great. And when it came to fiction, I was ready to like query agents and publishers and you know, go through the whole thing. But again, I was 52 and I was, I was 51 actually. And I thought I would like to write a book a year for the rest of my life. I'd like to keep up that pace. And if I'm going to do that, do I really want to wait for somebody else to take me on? And self-publishing and hybrid publishing has become a lot more accepted. So I thought long and hard and I got great feedback from agents and publishers. And I even was offered a contract for Women of Valor, but it wasn't a great contract. And so I turned it down. Um, and I ultimately decided I think I want to do this my own way. So I started a press called Scotia Road Books, and it's for women over 40 with strong voices. And 
that's how I produced Woman of Valor. And it was such an amazing experience that I feel like I might do that for the rest of my novels because I could do it my way. I, I mean, I, I hired editors, I hired, you know, graphic designers, proofreaders, everything. So it's not like I just wrote something and then put it out in the world and it was really raw. But um, I just felt like I don't want somebody else. I don't need somebody else at this point in life to tell me that my story is good enough. I think that's part of the confidence too. And so, um, yeah, so I went ahead and, and I still feel a little weird saying that because I was raised with the notion that like somebody else has to publish you, but I feel like I've had that a lot. So maybe I'm okay doing it, you know, but it felt really good to go this route. I think also the world has changed. So maybe in the past you needed someone to publish you. Now you can actually self-publish. It may have a little bit of a different route in the end, yeah. but it's, it's possible. In the past, it, it wasn't as possible. Yes. And I've read lots of studies about how um, self-published authors who keep producing books actually can end up making more money at it than traditionally published authors. Because when you're traditionally published, yes, you have a bigger platform if like a big publisher is putting you out there, but they take a huge cut. Your agent takes a huge cut. So by the time you actually get anything, you know, it, it's, it's pennies. So that's really interesting and I'm hopeful. So I'll let you know in five years if that's true. Right. So, but some people are, want to get their story out or want to go through the process of writing. So not everyone wants to be a published author. They, since they put the effort in, they may as well publish it and whoever can impact that can impact, but not everyone is thinking about it as a real way of making major money. Right. Yes. So I think that the what I'm more fascinated about is the process of getting what's inside me out yeah. And, the, you know, and not turning it necessarily into a whole livelihood piece of it. For sure. For sure. But, well, yeah, I, I think that's super important. And I still, I go back to that community piece, the writing community piece, because a lot of times I'll even write an essay and I'm not so sure what I'm thinking. And so somebody else's feedback can really help me to clarify that message. So I do think those connections help us to just, you know, even if it's just one other person who reads what you write and gives you feedback, it helps to make it better. And I think that's an important step regardless. But I think that whole idea of feedback is so important. And here's like a piece that's uh, something that you can actually talk about. And I think that as we get a little bit older, we can, some of us can accept feedback more, but put, you know, put ourselves, making ourselves vulnerable for, for that feedback. And of course, finding the right person who's going to be on your side and just wanting you to make your work better. So yeah. the whole idea of asking for feedback may be new for some people. But if it's in this nice, safe space and you are only talking about feedback for making your product better, I think that can be very helpful. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're right about that, that the older we get, the more likely we are to be able to take the feedback. You know, I remember when I was a journalist working in New York City when I was 22, you know, an editor changed the word the and I was like devastated, which is hilarious to think about now because probably they needed to change that word. And now I welcome somebody saying, well, this would make it stronger, or, you know, whatever. But um I think it's what you said, you said something really important there that who you ask for feedback matters too. So, you know, like, like my sister and I are very close and she'll read whatever I write and say, oh my gosh, it's amazing, which is really lovely to hear, but that may not help me make it stronger. So I might want to take it to somebody who's also a writer who can give me some like critical feedback as well as the positive stuff so that I can strengthen it and work on my voice, you know, and really enhancing my skills. So I think that who you ask for feedback matters a lot too. So describe a little bit what happens in like in a writer community. Like when someone just joins and what are they joining? What's going to be happening for them? 
So there's like so many different ways to define what a writer's community is. So I would say I have a, a lot of versions of that. Like I do a free monthly write along on Zoom and anybody can show up and just write for an hour and a half together and I give prompts and stuff. Um, so that's a form of community, but it's it's every month it's different people. You know, there's a huge list, but they don't all come. Um, I have a program called the Writer's Community, which people pay to do, and it's it's curated. So I only accept, you know, a small number of people, and it's the same people. And they, we, like in 2024, we're meeting twice a month, and they'll be sharing their writing in small little groups of three or four, and they'll give feedback to each other. So they get to know each other really well over the course of the year. Um, but sometimes you can build community by, um, you know, going to a writer's retreat or taking a class and you meet a couple of friends who are people you want to connect with afterwards. And so that's how I've met some of, you know, the people that I go to with my writing. We took a class together maybe many years ago and we just became friends out of it. And then we can send each other some some writing or meet together in a coffee shop and write together. So I think it's it's a loose definition, but it's really just about finding other writers who are at your level or even better than you because you then you can learn from them and you have the same values and interests and you appreciate each other's writing, but you know you'll give honest feedback. So I think that those are the criteria that I would use. And um, you know, I have a group that I meet with every month here in Michigan, it's all women. We meet once a month and we've been meeting for a lot of years. And each month, you know, we all could submit or only a few people do or whatever. Um, but we usually get together, we bring some food and we like just sit and talk and then we go over each other's writing and it's become like a group of friends, you know, and, and just, and they're all different people, but a few have had books out. And so we all go to their book launches or, you know, unfortunately we lost one of our members. She died um, very young last year and we all went to the funeral and, and mourned together. And it was just, it's become a real network, but it's also support for our writing too. I think that's so wonderful. Like the idea of being surrounded by people who enjoy words and enjoy, and I think what I'm also thinking is that you know that they, when you curate, you know that these are givers and receivers of feedback and they know how to do it and not kind of just dismiss everyone else or like get so defensive that it just becomes uncomfortable. Right. I mean, we do have, and actually it's funny because um, we just revisited it after years and I don't know that I ever looked at it before, but we actually have sort of parameters or guidelines for giving feedback. And we even have some rules for the group, which I think we had all forgotten. Um, we had a night where um, somebody's submission, it got, it got so late because we were just schmoozing for so long that like people were starting to get tired and they wanted to go home. But one of the women's submission hadn't been read. And I felt so bad because I think she hers was the first one in the in the folder. And so we all revisited the rules. Like we do have guidelines, like here's how to offer feedback. Here's how much time to spend and whatever. Um, but it just becomes second nature. Like the more you, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I think um, that's really important too. I also want to talk about writing your memoirs or writing something for the, for prosperity, whether it's just for your family or for somebody else, as opposed to writing about like what, like we spoke about nature or just writing. A, so was there a prompt or how do you start, go about starting to write your memoirs? I think um, photographs can be great prompts. And so, for example, um, I had the, the great fortune to interview three of my grandparents when they were still alive. Wow. And um, I, I wrote up, you know, what they said and their stories. And it's not like the most beautiful writing I've ever done. It's just their voices. But a lot of it, I mean, some of it came from memory, but a lot of it came from photographs. 
And so like my grandfather was in, um, he, he served during World War II um, and he was actually in Brazil. He was in like the precursor to the CIA. And he organized this like huge Pesach Seder for like hundreds of soldiers. And there were pictures that they had in an album. And I was like, tell me about this. Like, I want to understand how did you do this? Like, how did you get matzah? How did you get kosher food? Like, and so um, that was fantastic. But if I hadn't seen the pictures, I wouldn't have known to ask. And so I think that doing memoirs for family can be really inspired by going through photo albums or letters or, you know, any of that, you know, like um, I have a friend that I met at my cousin's wedding in 1993 and we have been friends. She's from this. My friend is from Ireland. She now lives in London. And we started writing letters to each other in the 90s. And and we still write letters to each other. Now we also will text or we'll visit or we'll call, but um, we couldn't do much much of that back then. And so we would write letters. I have all of her letters in like a box. Wow. And so I would love to write that memoir. I don't really want to like spill all of our secrets for the whole world, but I could write something just for us from those letters. So I think letters and photographs can be great prompts for family memoirs. So if you're writing your own memoirs or something that you want your kids to remember or your 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 family to remember, you can start by looking at your pictures or start by going. What I'm also thinking is you can go back year by year or age by age and like, what do I remember from that time? Sure. And maybe after well, also what I'm understanding when you interviewed your grandparents, it might be helpful to have someone ask you questions and then kind of put them all back into a story or into a book. Absolutely. And you know, if if you're thinking about you know things for your children, you know, like at different times, and I wish I had done this all the time, but at different times I would write a letter to one of my kids that I didn't give to them, but it was like, you know, on this birthday or as you finished this milestone or whatever, um, just for myself so that I could record like how I was feeling and what I saw in that child at the time. And I have them and maybe I'll give it to them one day, you know, but it was like just to sort of capture the moment and how much I loved that, that, you know, how proud I was and everything. And so, um, that can be really powerful too. So someone who feels like they're not good with words, and there are some people who are not yet so eloquent with words, and I know this chat GPT and kind of will make people, I think, lazier with words, sure. but that's a whole separate conversation what chat GPT is going to do to our world. Yeah. Someone who doesn't feel confident with words or feels like they are, you know, they're straight to the point and not flowery, how can they or should they even try words to their to their writing? I think that it's okay to be straightforward and direct in your writing. That could actually be your style, your voice. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you think about like Ernest Hemingway's books, the se sentences are rather simple, but really powerful. And so I actually teach a class about writing like Hemingway. I don't, I don't like the man, but I like the writing. And so I write about, I teach about like, well, what did he do? And how are his sentences so powerful? So I don't think it has to be flowery or overly detailed. I think um, there are ways to enhance. And so I think the best way to think about this is all first drafts tend to be messy. And so get whatever you're thinking on the page. And it's probably not going to be pretty. And it's probably not going to be your best writing. But the ideas are there. And it's so much easier to edit something that's already on the page than it is to come up with something for a blank page. So like free yourself from judgment for that first initial writing. And then I do teach and I believe that writing is 80% revision. So you have to be committed to coming back to it again and again and just tweaking, making it a little better, maybe getting some feedback, like how could I make this sentence a little more powerful and just being patient with it because 
I don't think there's anything I've written that first draft out in the world. It's just not ready. So I think that knowing that writing is a learned skill and it's something you can always strengthen is really important. So even if you think you're not a great writer or your or words don't come easily, it's about patience and perseverance because all of us need to work on it. It's just par for the course. It's just how it goes. And I can quote my mom too. She says, if it were easy, everybody would do it. And this can apply to a lot of things. And so we'll put it to writing for this. And um, I think that's true. So I think the writing, what I'm hearing is you're really encouraging me to to write more. I'm very much a technical writer, but uh -huh. to see what comes out, like challenge myself, invite myself to just write about one incident in my life and just see how it goes. I'm, yeah. I'm, right now, my new thing is just try something new every day. Just I love it. I've never really written about a specific incident or just really written about my life, but I think it could be very interesting and see. And, and for some people, writing is not going to be their thing, but I think that it's worth trying, like just really try new things and different prompts. And what I'm also going to encourage myself is just to take the prompt that came up. And if I don't like it, just take it anyway. Yeah. And just see what happens. Those are great pieces of wisdom. And I love the idea of doing something new every day, trying something new. Sometimes with writing, and I'm going to contradict myself in a minute, but sometimes with writing, it's easier when there's more distance. So like, you know, you could look back on like, how did you meet your husband? And like, let's write that story because it's so many years ago. And so you might have clarity and, and it could be like easy to write. At the same time where the contradiction comes in, I know when I feel very, very powerfully about something, um, sometimes I have to write about it just to figure out like, why am I so, why do I have so much emotion about this? And so some of my best essays, you know, have come out in response to like world events happening where I'm like, I have so much anger or so much sadness or so much fear or whatever. And I have to sit down and put it on the page to just to put it somewhere so that I'm not living in it. So sometimes it can be from the strength of emotions, but a lot of times having distance can help you write better too. I think that's so powerful. What you said is like getting it just out of your head. It's yeah. not everything that you write or most of, or at least for me, most of what I write doesn't actually get out into the world. It's just like, I don't want to hold on to that idea anymore. Like just yeah. get it out so that I yeah. can get new ideas or get it out so I can think clearly. Like, especially like with this, like now with all this, with the world, like October 7th and all of that, it's yeah. like, just get it out so that I could get more space for better thoughts. Like just, I don't have to hold on to it. A hundred percent. I've been, I think I've gone through the, all the stages of grief in the last month. And, um, at, and I have started writing two essays actually about this, about since October 7th because I feel so passionately and the world seems so upside down. And I feel like, well, this is what I can do. I can write to try and get people to think. And I, I'm not at the point yet to submit them for publication, but I, I very well might, because I really, I feel like people need to hear voices other than the ones we're hearing and, and to help make sense of it. I don't know if it'll do anything, but I'm gonna try for sure. I do the writing just to, I mean, I know I'm not even planning to publish because I'm not that, not that kind of writer, but just to make sense of it or to just or really sometimes it's just to dump it, just to dump it. Yeah. To free up your own emotions because it's been so atrocious and horrifying and sad and everything, like just so many emotions. And you can't really live with that all the time because it'll tear you apart. So putting it on the page is actually like a, um, a self-protective measure in a way. Um, but then at least you have the thoughts that if you ever want to go back to them, they're there.
And just in general, when, when you're making lists, just write it. Like yeah. this, is, I mean, this is not writing for writing, but just get it out of your head. Just you don't have to hold on to it. It's so right. so freeing. Just get it out. Uh, you know, then you can start making an order or prioritizing or rating it. But right. holding all of that and rating it in your head and prioritizing it in your head and remember, I have to remember it. Just write it or type it. It's actually actually a good question for you. Um, I'm cu- always been curious. Is there a difference in handwriting versus typing? Actually, yes. Um, I've done a lot of writing with teenagers, and I I make them write by hand, <laughs> which is very uncomfortable for them. Um, although I prefer to write on the computer because I'm faster. But there actually is research that shows that when you write by hand, you activate a different part of the brain that is more creative. And so if you, you can try it for yourself. Like if you ever are journaling by hand, it takes longer, but you might come up with like more profound or thoughtful uh, words when you're doing it by hand than if you do it on the computer. So you'll get more down faster on the computer, but it'll probably be more creative and insightful if you do it by hand. I also find when I do it by hand, like I underline something, which is harder to do on the, on the computer. Like it has more emphasis or like a little heart at the end of something or- right. Right. So that it's it tells me more than just it's like sort of body language to the words or right. like you know style language to the words. It's not just the words that right. I can hear, yeah. or I can end a certain, end a line at a certain point and that kind of like that's where I wanted to end as opposed to typing. Which I guess I could press enter and end a line, but it's yeah, it's a it's, lot of work. So yeah, it's, it's different. More of you, I think, is on the page than if you do it um, typing for sure. And there's also a bottom of a page. Do you want to cram it all into the page or do you want to like let it go onto the next page? Yeah. So like, I think it says say something if you actually choose to analyze. I don't think to scrutinize it, but it's just like, hmm, what was right. that about? Right. Or, or it's nothing. It was just practical. I want to get the last four words on the page so I wrote them smaller. But right. sometimes there might be something in it. Yeah, exactly. So, but actually, yeah, it does activate a different part of the brain when you write by hand. So it's worth trying for sure. And what about writing with your non-dominant hand? I mean, I obviously can't write very much with that, but I'm just curious. So I've had like energy healers, like who are more woo-woo and stuff say writing with your non-dominant hands can like clue you into ways you're feeling or whatever. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not really trained in that, but um, it's not it's not very pretty when I try with my non-dominant hands. That's for sure. Definitely can't write very long like that. No, no, yeah. I was, like, I was trying it the other day. And besides that, I looked like a kid. It was just like so slow and like the muscles that I'm not using. And like, I don't know, there was no insight coming out of it. So for me, it didn't yet work. Maybe if I tried it again and again, it might work. Sure. I don't know. But I think it's something, I just wanted to throw it into the whole mix of writing because for some people, it may be part of what something comes out for them. Yeah, you never know. It's worth a try. So we've talked a lot. Any final thoughts about writing or to invite people to write? Like what would be something to end with? Well, I think if you want to write, you should write. Um, We do a very good job of talking ourselves out of things or doubting ourselves. And I think that um, anybody who wants to write even a book should should just do it. Don't don't be afraid. Don't wait. Just sit down and do it bit by bit. Um, Because if you don't try, you don't know if you're going to get there. And so it's it's worth it's worth giving it a try. Um, I believe anybody can write. I had somebody ask me once, if I would ever tell someone in a class of mine or something that they shouldn't continue because they they weren't good enough or whatever. And I was kind of horrified because, I mean, there's all different styles, all different levels of writing. Um, But if you want to write, you should absolutely write. And we can all 
always get better. We can always improve. So, you know, I would never tell someone to stop writing ever. You know, it's, it's, if you want to write, you should be writing and you should find the people who are going to support you and encourage you to do that. I just the thing I want to add to that is if you think you want to write, at least get started. If you absolutely don't want to, then, then don't. There's other ways to express yourself. There's other ways to find your voice, or maybe you're not ready to find your voice. But I think that you gave a lot to think about, about writing is possible and writing is beneficial. So it's worth putting it on my list of, hey, I'm going to try that. Yeah, yeah. And let's see where it goes. It may not become the thing that I make into my routine, but I think that, I mean, I find a lot of value in writing, Uh but I think I want to try a different way of writing just to expand myself. For sure. I find that this time, this time of life, I'm just trying lots of different things just to expand myself. And some things will become no-goes, but some things will become huh, something I want to incorporate. So I think that writing will definitely be on that list. Well, that's great. I can't wait to hear about it when you do. So keep me posted. Okay, so Lynn, how can people find your books and your classes and you have a podcast? Yeah. So let's talk about that for another sure. minute. So lynngaladner.com is my website and everything lives there. Um, my podcast is the Make Meaning Podcast, and I mostly focus on authors and people in publishing these days. So you can definitely check that out on all podcast platforms. There's also a website, makemeaning.org. Um, yeah, and I teach, I mean, a lot of my classes are at lynngaladner.com. I also teach through writingworkshops.com. So there are some of my classes on there as well. And um, I also write a weekly Substack a newsletter that I send out free on Mondays. And it's mostly about writing and publishing, but Lately, it's been a lot about Israel, too. So um, I try to make it in a writing context, but I show up as a Jewish author wherever I go. So that's going to be part of the conversation. And I'm on all social media. If anybody wants to follow me, I'd love to follow you back. All right. Thank you so much, Lynn. This is a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Deborah. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Deborah Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at Jewish midlife at gmail.com you can also find us on our website jewishmidlife.com and follow us on jewish midlife on instagram or facebook and join our conversations in our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash jewish women talk about midlife and share what we're doing with your friends and others in the midlife phase